Hello. My name is Joel. My life is all about grounding, healing, and transformation through music, poetry, and meditation. So if you are here, you found me because we resonate on the same frequency. And maybe this time is the right time for us to divinely align. This is a safe space for anyone from any place with any identity. We practice acceptance, love, and peace. Hello, beautiful souls. Heart is full. Um, I have a question for you this morning. It's one I asked in the community, which is, when was the last time you felt courageous? And how did that feel in your body? When was the last time you felt courageous? And how did that feel in your body? Courage feels like the sun empowering softly. It was momentary and felt out of body. It feels like a deep knowing of what needs to be done. And a little bit of anxiety and endorphins. <laughs> Yeah, we were diving into this question this morning as a part of our practice. And I had been contemplating this connection between vulnerability and courage, and courage and authenticity. And being vulnerable is often seen as a weakness. And in some ways, it can be. But in other ways, it's actually our gateway to freedom, our gateway to authenticity. And I was reminded of this quote by Maya Angelou, which is, courage is the most important of all the virtues. Because without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. You can practice any virtue erratically, but nothing consistently without courage. And it brings home, you know, how we, we do this two steps forward, one step back thing. <laughs> because what we're really trying to find is our sense of courage, which can be defined as strength in the face of pain or adversity or fear or lack or doubt. How do you stay consistent in courage? This contemplation, this remembering, the experience of courage embodied, moving from fear, uncertainty or doubt to action, to go, okay, hmm, I, what I actually want is something different. And I need to change things. I need to mobilize. I need to speak my truth. I need to move differently in this space. And when you do, as someone described, you feel that rush of anxiety <laughs> and energy combined with power and freedom. It's like all of those things at once which on the back end of it, right after it's done, most in most cases, not all, but generally speaking, you feel alive, right? You feel free, you feel liberated. And I wanted to share a bit about this this morning because it's been coming up a lot for me as I have been evaluating my life over the last few years. And what has changed dramatically for me is my courage embodied in a new way, in a way that's felt effortless, which is something I've been calling in for a long time, in a way that's felt liberating, in a way 
that <laughs> just felt like a part of my everyday. And I want to share this with you because I think this is something that we miss often on this journey. Going into the heart, your heart's generally going to pull you in to the edge of your comfort zone. And so it's giving you enough for what you need to know today, right? So that you can get to that dream or get to your purpose or get to whatever it is you're trying to call in in this season of your life. But the part that we often miss in this uh, mindful, spiritual, empathetic place is the action, right? It takes courage to actually show up and do the thing. It takes courage to speak your truth in a room where others don't want to hear it. It takes courage maybe to set the boundary or to be the only one in that space showing up and starting that fire that can create that change, that can create conversion of ideas and philosophies and belief systems, or just to stand and hold the space, right? So remembering the state of being courageous, remembering that liberation, right? It shifts our narrative because we often like to think that we're rational beings, but we are very <laughs> rational beings. We're emotional beings. Okay, and prime example of this is you look at any situation at your job or within society and you see people doing very rational things and you're like, why? Right? It's very easy to slip into judgment and go, why are they behaving this way? And it's not until you look at it from an emotional perspective do things make sense. Maybe they're reliving their trauma. Maybe they're trying to stay in their comfort zone. Maybe you can witness the... Um, incoherence within the individual, their desire for something, but the heart's and the body, the nervous system is holding so much emotional trauma that it's struggling to be in alignment with that desire. So getting back to our emotional being and receiving that and understanding that and shifting our mindset, right? We have the rational, we have the logical, we have the linear. But how we function is from the subconscious, which is our emotional state of being. So if we can tap into the emotional state of being courageous, remembering what that feels like in the body, and then thinking about where do I need to embody more courage, our vulnerability, our authenticity. Well, now we have... Uh, <laughs> the parts and pieces to actually create the life we want, right? For me, what this looked like was simply asking my heart every day, what is my heart longing for? Some days it meant a walk, some days it meant a hard conversation. And on a certain day it meant ending a marriage, right? Like bigger, life-changing, altering decisions. And sometimes sitting with those for several months or weeks or years even before it was clear and before there was enough courage to mobilize. But once it was clear, finding the courage to move in that direction, right, to actualize. So what is your heart longing for? Where is your heart calling you to be more courageous in this season?
being able to let go. It's choosing what my intuition and inner knowing is calling me into. Letting go and moving on from toxic relationships. Trusting my heart, owning my power. Learning that saying no means saying yes to myself. Wow, that's potent. I love this. <laughs> so much beauty in this honoring of what your heart's calling you to. So along this journey, there's this fear that arises and I had to reassociate my, um, my emotional memory of fear, right? With not the onset, but the outcome of facing my fear. So usually when fear shows up, right? Because in all these spaces we need courage is because we have a certain fear. We have a certain attachment to these people, these places, these jobs, these ideas, limiting beliefs, these constructs, these mental formations that aren't serving us. However, they're so strongly attached to emotional onset of engaging in that space, right? We get blinded by the onset. What I mean by that is the initial idea of confronting that person or setting the boundary or the discomfort of whatever that might be. That's the onset, the beginning. We get so blinded by those emotions, overwhelmed by them, that we forget about the outcome. <laughs> Right? So this is how we are emotional beings, not rational ones. Because if we were rational beings, we could focus on the outcome and realize, okay, I have a couple of options here. Right? I can stay here in this place that isn't resonating in this discomfort, this emotional turmoil. Or I could move through the momentary discomfort, the seasonal discomfort of transition where I embody courage, I create, whatever form that takes, and I move into a space of greater coherence, of greater alignment, greater freedom and liberation, right? And so managing our emotions along this journey <laughs> is, is a skill that we must develop. And that's where mindfulness and meditation comes in. It's the reason I'm always advocating mindfulness because when I boil it down in, in that framing, I recognize it's not as much information as much as it is implementation of this process. This is the fundamental process of getting anything done, of transformation. And we all get stuck in our emotions and then we create all these excuses and narratives and and then we block it all up. We build this brick wall of excuses and emotional irrationalizations and limiting beliefs that keep us stuck. And so, right, sitting in meditation, taking a moment just to connect to the breath, it sounds so cliche or um, silly even to some. But when you sit, there's a moment to investigate how your awareness, how you are engaging with your thoughts, your ideas, and your emotions. And many of us have such strong attachments, the wall becomes a part of the way that we view the world. Right? But the wall is just not on the, that side that's connected to your dreams. 
It's on every side. And we create a prison for ourselves and we get stuck because we've created so many attachments to these limiting beliefs. So in those seasons, like now it sounds like for many of you where you're feeling your heart calling you to other things, there's this beautiful, <laughs> beautiful practice of just sitting and letting go of those attachments to this thing, right? Just letting go, connecting to the breath. And in that space, you recognize it's just a belief. It's just an idea. And as you do that, you're literally changing your brain. It's called neuroplasticity. Okay? Neuroplasticity. Right? So what you practice grows. So if you practice being in a space with those emotions where they aren't overwhelming or you let go of your heavy attachment or reliving those traumas. And this is for general to mild cases. There's some who have extreme PTSD, PPD, and a lot of other diagnoses. And so those require more support beyond meditation. But for most of us, meditation, changing the neurons that fire and wire together, you create this space to where, oh, that's just fear showing up. You have a new relationship to your fear, to your discomfort. And you know that if you move quickly, <laughs> when you recognize fear, the way you initiate your engagement with this usually determines the outcome. So if you initiate it with deep attachment, you're probably going to end up back where you started. <laughs> but if you initiate it with space, there's room to create a new pattern. There's room to make better decisions. There's room to actually be more in touch with your rational mind and your courage, right? And show up in that space and go, oh, I'm growing. Yeah, that's my fear. It's emotions. It'll pass. But what no longer becomes an option is self-sabotage, self-betrayal, self-loathing, or deciding you're not enough or that you're not worthy. So calling in, in that space that you've created now, you're no longer attached to these excuses and ideations that are blocking you from what you want. In that space, well, what are you calling in? What are you wanting to create? Create new ideas instead of I'm not enough, I'm more than enough. I'm courageous, right? And after a while, those affirmations, those new ideas are naturally coming up in that space when fear comes. And then you move through it, and that's how we develop courage. That's how we move into our higher selves, as it is said, or into the life we've always dreamed of. And it's the funniest thing. We spend so much time thinking and in our anxiety because the mind's on a loop. Instead of just pausing, creating space to just sit. Allow that process to stop, to pause for just a moment. And in that gap, plant new seeds. So I'm hoping that you all embody that kind of courage. And I'm open for a bit here um, around any questions you might have around that process. Here's a question. What if you run from that pause? What if? 
That's a common one. That's how we build that brick wall. Because we're not present. Right? What if you run? What if you do this? What if you do that? It's a million what ifs. And this is how we, another way we get stuck is in the what if. Because you start moving towards what you actually want, and then you hit those fears, that discomfort, that anxiety. And you go, well, what if I fail? What if they don't like it? What if, and you have analysis paralysis. That's what that is. It's another sneaky, subconscious mental formation meant to keep you in your comfort zone. It paralyzes you, right? And that's our caveman biology wanting to keep you safe, which is a beautiful intention. The only problem is it's keeping you stuck instead of safe, right? And so, again, what if? You'll have the same outcome you've been having as what? What if? So developing courage. <clears throat> and it starts really simple, which is why I'm always asking you every day, how's your heart? To create that momentary breath or two, right? To sit with it. And one of the most common comments I'll receive, especially when I first started doing it a year or two ago, is people were crying and they were wondering why they were crying. And what many of us don't realize is that subconsciously you get on social media to avoid your actual life, to avoid your emotions, to avoid that pause and sitting in silence. Right? So much so that we think it's weird or wrong to be in silence. When, if you look at all the other animals <laughs> in the earth, that's what they're doing most of the time, okay? They're not trying to regulate their emotions with distraction, or ignore them, rather. So start small. If you can do it for one breath, you can do it for two. If you can do it for two, you can do it for four. And work your way up, right? Which is why I'm a big advocate for a micro-meditation practice. So if you're running from the pause, start small. Here's something you can do. Every day you wash your hands, you brush your teeth, you wash your face. Pick one of those. And as you're doing it, instead of letting your mind run rampant as it may normally, or thinking about the next thing or whatever thing from your past, allow yourself to be fully present. So one option, we'll just use washing your hands, is having a little mantra for awareness and consciousness. So washing my hands, I hope that every being has pure hands to receive reality, holding that intention. And what you're doing is you're directing your consciousness into a specific space so that you're not being taken by the monkey mind, but rather you're guiding it. Another option is as you're washing your hands, be fully present to the sensations in your fingertips, touching one another the water, the soap, the transition from dryness to wetness. Becoming fully present in the body regulates the nervous system, cultivating that skill, right? Versus the mental formations which are causing your anxiety and, and uh, turmoil, right? This is something um, that can also, has also been called SIFT, it's an acronym, and it basically helps you get out of the mind and into the body, into the present moment 
what's happening. Because what if is all about imagination. What if is all about getting into a space that has nothing to do with the present moment. And that's what keeps most of us stuck. We're so busy replaying things that don't resonate, that we're not focusing on what we want, right? And if you're in the what if, you're running away, right? So if you think about a target, right? So the camera right in front of me, that's my target. And that's what I want. But in order to get what I want, I have to move through my fear and be courageous and set my boundaries or start my business or put myself out there back in the dating world, whatever it is. And that takes vulnerability. And so instead of, I, I create these what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? And I run away from the very thing that I want. And you run, you can run in 359 degrees away from that thing. You could be so close and start off by a degree and end up in the wilderness, something you don't want, right? And this happens all the time. And we wonder why we don't like the life we have because we've been running away from what we want because we're afraid and we haven't been intentional. So maybe while washing your hands, be very intentional. What are you creating? I have, <laughs> I am, right? I have this career. I have this kind of relationship. I have this kind of emotional freedom. And as you continue to focus your attention, right? Building the awareness of your body, learning how to manage your emotions, focusing the conscious mind and your attention so that when these what ifs come up, you can let them go and go, this is what I'm creating. And the fear and the discomfort along the way, I'm gonna learn how to manage my emotions, manage my mind, and maintain presence and focus in that direction so that I, it will materialize. Hmm. Yes, so sift to get back in the body and out of the mind, doing the what ifs and all of the ideating in the future and the past of things that aren't existing in the present reality. Sift. Sensations, images, feelings, and thoughts. And I got this from uh, Dr. Dan Siegel. He has uh, two really great books called um, The Neurobiology of We. It's about our interconnectedness and interpersonal neurobiology. So sift. Think about when sensations are coming up in the body. If you're feeling fear or anxiety, is your heart rate elevated or your palms sweaty? Or is your skin getting cold or hot? Is any part of your body aching or tensing up? What sensations are happening? This turns your mind's focus, your awareness, out of the fear or the stories you're telling yourself that are building up your anxiety, redirecting it to the body. Next, what images? So you may have images arising about these scenarios. Again, it's taking you out of the idea of that thing happening, but into, okay, what images? Am I seeing red? Am I um, thinking about doing something or evacuating? What feelings? Can you name your feelings? This is really important. 
and I want to say emotions because a lot of times we'll we'll say I feel and we'll make a statement or a judgment right I feel like they're being this or I feel like this isn't going to work those are not emotions name your emotions are you frustrated are you angry are you upset you feeling sorrow are you joyous right are you feeling multiple things at once but if you're like me you probably have to get out the emotion wheel a lot and I still get it out when I need to because it's very easy to slip into that habit because we weren't trained this way in our upbringing so sensations images feelings more specifically emotions and then thoughts what thoughts am I having just name your thoughts don't see them as reality right so maybe you are having this thought about this bad thing that happened to you years ago but see them as just that thoughts they're not reality and in that space you're creating space between this old pattern essentially and learning how to manage those emotions and return to the presence so what sensations am i feeling in my body what images are coming up what feelings emotions am i experiencing what thoughts and when you do that you'll notice that you'll slowly kind of come back into the present moment and then the next step that i always practice is coal c-o-a-l so it's curiosity, openness, acceptance, and love. So get curious. Like this person saying, what if? Well, okay. Why, why any time moving that direction is this question coming up? Maybe that might be a more beneficial line of questioning, right? Or what is it about this thing that is bringing up so much fear? Or what if it all works out? What if sitting, after I've tried everything else, what if sitting for five minutes a day is the thing that helps liberate me and helps me to create what I really want, right? Or, more commonly if I'm experiencing fear, okay, hmm, what is my fear trying to teach me about myself, right? my favorite question what's in my blind spot because many of us are good at working on the things that we are aware of but it's usually the subconscious things that are under the surface that are holding us back and we can't even see them they've just become a part of the way we view the world right so what's in my blind spot that creates an opening openness right in this pattern in our mental construct oh what's in my blind spot now i'm Instead of looking for things that affirm my limiting beliefs, I'm looking for things that are outside of my normal pattern, outside of my normal way of seeing things. And then usually there'll be some kind of revelation or shift in your energy, your perspective. And you can create space for acceptance of like, oh, this is connected to this old fear, this is connected to this old trauma, this is connected to this old experience right and then learning how to accept that part of it and bring that into the way that you view the situation and then love right and not just like sugary love but a more practical approach and i love this question 
What is the most loving response I'm available for? Right? What's the most loving response I'm available for to this newfound understanding, this new information, this new space that curiosity and openness has provided? What's the most loving response I'm available for? And when you start asking those kinds of questions, your life begins to change because you've automatically by asking these kinds of questions instead of what if, what if is about things happening to you, right? You show up as in a, in a victim consciousness state. Not saying that things don't happen to you in this life because of course they do, but that you're also happening to life. <laughs> so finding the balance to go, the only thing I have control over is myself. And if you're experiencing deep emotional things, maybe that's even a limited capacity, right? Because at a certain point, your nervous system kicks in and you need a break. And that's fine. That's part of being human. But you're staying in your power, owning your autonomy and having agency to recognize, oh, <laughs> what's the most loving response I'm available for? What's aligned with my heart? What, where's my target? And what's my capacity today? And if I can't walk the mile, can I, can I move a foot, right? And if that's the most loving thing I'll do, I'll, I'll move that foot and I'll celebrate that. So this is the journey, but the exponential return <laughs> on showing up for that pause and learning how to manage your emotions and learning how to maintain focus. It's so profound and it's so underrated. And I'm bringing this to your attention because again, remember we are not rational beings. <laughs> we like to think that we are, we're emotional beings. And something we're very poor at is understanding compound interest, right? <laughs> and how moving that one degree off your path, off of your target, can have detrimental impacts 20 years in the future or two years or two months even versus taking that time each day that five minutes that moment washing your hands or whatever it is that resonates for you as a practice to stay focused to stay grounded to manage your emotions how staying on that path staying focused can get you where you want to be a lot sooner than you could have ever imagined Let's see, do you enjoy a morning practice or do you flow differently each day? It's yes to both actually. Um, so every day I have a morning practice of my own, but it flows differently every day. And so some people function well in a very rigid construct. I'm not one of those people. I, I function better in fluid construct. And so because I'm an artist, I'm a songwriter, I'm a creative. So what that means is I have a construct that's based on um, principles and not a structure. So I use my RISE framework of my journal for my practice. And the reason I love the RISE framework is that I can apply it to any medium. So really quickly, it's an acronym. Release, inquire, self-awareness, and empower. Okay, so within the journal construct, and if you're interested in this journal, it's on my website, it's available on Amazon. Release, 
it's all about clearing your canvas, right? So we're always having an energetic exchange with the world around us. We're always absorbing people's vibes, whatever our, our exchange might have been that might have triggered our insecurities or they might have said something that was outright rude or, or um, harmful. But we're all these things are happening on a subconscious level and we have to move and go to work or take care of our kids or, or maybe we just don't want to experience them because we're all in the habit of avoiding our feelings and emotions. So within the journal, it's a, a moment to have a stream of consciousness brain drain. So without judgment, right, freeing myself of judgment, I write everything that's coming to mind. It could be me venting about what happened. It could be incoherent thoughts and random ideas. It could be anything, but for five minutes I just write. So that's what it looks like in the journal. But I can do that as I breathe, set that same intention, letting those thoughts and ideas go with the breath. If I'm just sitting in meditation or if I'm walking, I can visualize it being let go as I relax my body and move my body. Okay. So release, then inquire. So this is really about asking great questions, asking heart questions every day. So I have a few questions that I ask pretty regularly. One. What am I thankful for? Practice gratitude. I also will ask, what do I need to know today? And this is kind of getting into that blind spot of knowing that I don't know. I've got my calendar. I know I have whatever I have on my agenda. But what do I need to know today? And then I'll ask, well, what is my heart longing for? Right? What is my highest self? What is my loving essence longing for? And the last question I'll ask is, how can I give that to myself? How can I give that to myself? So when I ask these questions, then I move into S, the self-awareness portion of the practice, which is all about listening to my intuitive nature. So getting really clear about my own inner voice, my own inner wisdom, my own inner guidance. Listening. That's where I'll just sit in silence. I hold space as far as long as I need. These days, I usually get responses pretty quickly. But at first, I was very out of touch with my intuition. And sometimes I wouldn't hear anything in that moment. I'd move through the rest of my week holding those questions. And maybe they might come, you know, as I'm driving or in a conversation with a stranger or a friend or maybe in a, you know, something I see online. But that's where I grow in self-awareness. Like, oh. My heart really wants this thing. I thought I wanted this because this was the way my brain processed or what society would tell me or my circle was telling me. And their voices were very loud, but my inner voice wants something very unique. And then the E is for empowerment. So how am I going to take that understanding, that new bit of um, information that I'm now aware of, and actually empower myself to be courageous and act it out in my life, right? So that comes from setting intentions and affirmations. And so affirmations, I think we're all familiar with, right? I am statements, embodying it in the present moment. This is about um, attraction, laws of manifestation. But I wanna to talk to you more about intention right now because intention is about a state of being, right? It's an expansive state of being. So on my live, I could say, oh, my goal is one thing, right? Which I don't use goals, but goals are product, productive um, 
tools that help us get to a very specific thing, which is great. But the soul wants to expand, right? And so it's, it's limiting in a way those goals, right? Because there's always an underlying in intention. So if your goal is to make a million dollars, you can have this plan, a business plan, an idea, that's great. But you may get the million and realize you haven't met your soul's intention, which might be a certain level of fulfillment or freedom or whatever else you thought that million dollars was gonna bring. So for me, I get to the intention and I wanna put that at the forefront. And so my intention in this space, right, is to be a conduit for grounding, healing, and transformation. That's it. I can do that in so many ways. I can be silent and listen. I can share. I can play music. I can go for a walk. I can do a million different things, right? But setting an intention and then going into, going through my life, Okay, in this conversation with a stranger, how can I be a conduit for grounding, healing, and transformation? Something completely different than the subconscious intention of needing to be seen or needing to be X, Y, and Z other thing, right? You become a creative and you also set yourself to be expansive because what we don't realize is usually in our fear, we're holding so many unconscious intentions that are very contrary to what we actually want, which is why they're being manifested in our reality is blockages and um, self-sabotage and being stuck so my daily practice is rise it's the rise framework releasing clearing my canvas every day inquiring asking great contemplative questions self-awareness which is really listening to my intuitive guidance that can be myself or you can call it the divine or god or whatever way you connect or your angels um, I just like saying it's my heart and then empower. What am I going to do with this, this new bit of information? How am I going to embody courage? How am I going to embody my strength of vulnerability stepping outside of my comfort zone? How am I going to set a foundation for my expansion? Right. And so that's my daily practice. However, I can rise through journaling, I can rise while I'm making my coffee. I can rise in my meditation room, my meditation space, as I'm walking, as I'm driving. And each day or different seasons of my life, it may look different. There have been years where I've only did that journaling or meditating. And then there's seasons where I'll do it walking. And some days, if I'm really busy, I may have to do it at different points in my day, maybe as I'm brushing my teeth or as I'm journaling or as I'm driving to the event. There's many different ways. Um, these days, how I do it collectively, I offer it as a part of the Beautiful Souls Online community. This is outside of my personal practice, but this is for those who are looking for a place to connect, a soft space for grounding, healing, and transformation. And we have daily meditation as a group at 7.30 every morning. We have that moment to release right um, clear our canvas through breath and connecting we inquire every day we ask heart questions we grow in self-awareness by listening right or we inquire by visualization meditation practices we stepped into the state of being courageous today which is really powerful and then at the end we empower ourselves with love by setting conscious intentions of love 
So if that resonates with something you're interested in, there's links to it at my website. But my real hope for you is to find a practice that works for you. Go experiment. You can try the ones I've mentioned or look online. There's, there is no shortage <laughs> of meditation practices, especially these days. It's very um, popular now, which is great because we need it now more than ever. But finding a daily practice is, is key. Is key because we need something to keep us focused every day. Our fear, our emotions, the world around us, the noise, everyone's being manipulated by other things. And it can happen so, so subtly, right? And then you look up a month from now, you're like, what happened? Where did this go? The wrong direction. So there are all kinds of ways to engage in a practice, but that's my practice. That's what I found has worked for me over the years. I think I'm done for the day. Thank you all for joining me. I hope our time together has been fruitful and aligned with what you need today. Hope you all have a wonderful day and I'll see you soon. Be well, beautiful souls. Much love and light. Peace.